0: Just when you think you have it all down, all figured out, you're ready for the next big thing. Something happens and shifts not only the horizon, but the very ground you stand on. It's the part of life that no one likes to talk about loss. Robin Lane's world shifted with the loss of her husband Mark. Suddenly, goals, benchmarks, achievements, and dreams morphed into the new reality of just me and not we. Robin has constructed a new paradigm of living that includes a path to happiness. Come along for the ride. Learn how to live next to grief without allowing it to rain over you. Get ready for Changing Lanes. Here's Robin. Welcome to Changing Lanes. I'm Robin Lane and I'm so happy to be with you today. Have you ever thought about whether you were essential or not? I never have. I've always assumed that all people are essential, at least to someone or something. It goes along with being alive, doesn't it? It seems pretty apparent to me that we are all caregivers and providers in some way, even if it's just to ourselves. Yet, this year, this forever famous 2020, has thrown us into a dialogue about who amongst us does essential work. Here again, I never thought about it. Isn't what we do essential to someone or something Don't we all suffer from the delusion that we're indispensable in our roles in the workplace? Who would do my job? Who knows what to do? Isn't that a basic motivation for going to work each day, besides the obvious financial incentive? If we don't show up, something doesn't happen or someone suffers from our absence. It really doesn't even matter what the job is. You can be a lawyer, and if you don't show up, some legal matter might not be resolved. You can be a construction worker and if you don't show up, the frame of the house is delayed or a permit can't be issued because your part of the job isn't finished. You get the idea. Our not showing up has a ripple effect no matter what job you do. Therefore, we're all essential. It obviously applies to those who work inside the home as well. I don't mean working remotely. I mean caregivers of families. Moms and dads whose primary responsibility is to get up each day and keep the family moving along. Well, back in my day, we thought we were forward thinking by dropping the word housewife and using home engineer or parents who work within the home. COVID has certainly enlarged the definition of this. Now we are working two jobs inside the home, the outside job and the inside one. Unless you are a designated essential worker, which means you continue to work outside. This is sounding a bit crazy, right? I feel like Jerry Seinfeld could build a show around this if the topic itself was just a little funnier. So when COVID hit, the state and federal governments had to find a definition for who would be considered essential workers. I contend that the phrase essential jobs would be more fitting, but we're not going to argue semantics here. If you do the research, you'll find that each state has varied the definition a bit, but essentially, no pun intended, essential workers, according to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, are those who conduct a range of operations and services that are typically essential to continue critical infrastructure operations. Critical infrastructure is a large umbrella term encompassing sectors from energy to defense to agriculture. Wow, that's a mouthful. From that, we got lists of whose jobs are included under that umbrella. In an article, quote, what is an essential worker in New York State by Hunter Moskowitz of Cornell University School of Industrial and Labor Relations, we get some clarification of what this means for New York. I chose New York because that's my home, but you can easily find your state's profile online. It would take a long time, and I admit it would be somewhat tedious to share the details of New York's guidelines, but basically they say there are 14 categories of essential businesses, and within these businesses is a hierarchy of which services are truly essential. Well, to the average person, this language boils down to essential meaning the work that meets basic human needs food, health, and safety. So we have law enforcement, food production, health care, emergency personnel, child care, building cleaners, trash collection, news media hardware, and supply stores, and a few others. While states have authority around this definition, these jobs are covered under the 2013 Essential Services Act. I didn't even know there was such a thing a short year ago. So my goal today is not to debate the definition of who or what is essential but I do want to ask some questions that hopefully challenge us to think about what this means as we move forward. A few things come to mind. We have all learned a thing or two since the pandemic started last March, which gives me hope that even if we see an uptick that causes us to pull back again, we might be able to do it better and for a shorter amount of time. But I've noticed that through this time, there's been a shift in the thinking surrounding essential workers. We started off with a defined list, but now we have what some are calling, quote, newly classified essential workers, unquote, teachers being one of them. In August, the Department of Homeland Security formally declared teachers as essential workers and classified them as critical infrastructure workers. This elicited a response from Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers, arguing that teachers have always been essential but not essential enough for the government to fund the necessary PPE, but ask for plans from all school districts as to how they will make this happen. Well, as an educator for over 25 years, this topic has my undivided attention. I'm not political, and anything I say here, believe me, is coming from the core of who I am. I am an educator in every bone of my body, retired or not. I've never thought about whether I was essential or not. I just know I felt essential because I was driven by the idea that I would never allow myself to let down a student of mine. I felt essential, because it was my classroom that shaped my students' days for as long as they were mine. My decisions affected what, when, and how well they learned. When they were successful, I felt successful. When they weren't, I simply had more work to do. It meant doing something differently, not saying they didn't succeed. I think that's what it means to be an essential part of a child's life. When I was a principal, I enlarged that belief to my teachers. I had to be essential to their success or I shouldn't be there. I believe the majority of teachers feel the same. I doubt any teacher before or after the pandemic ever questioned how important it was to become essential to students. We weren't just given our teaching degree and deemed essential, It's a lifetime of work and passion to meet that standard. Yet, during these dark days of corona, this category of teachers as essential workers has taken on a life of its own. I confess to experiencing varying degrees of feelings about this. I would never say that one person's job is more or less valuable or important than another. All our essential workers have associated risks and needs. Of course, healthcare workers need a full battery of PPE. E, to do their job safely. Of course, these are incredible heroes as frontline workers. And yes, they are in these roles for the same reason, their passion to be essential to sick people. In fact, I would be hard-pressed to name any essential field of work in which its workers didn't get up and go each day, less because they are essential, but more because of their passion to be essential to someone or something. Yep, we all work for money. Let me not forget the obvious, but I do believe the work we do is because we value being able to make a contribution. But I do need to say there are such differences in how these essential workers can do this during a pandemic. Most of those classified as essential need to be physically at the workplace. This is why this category of essential was created. We now have teachers joining the group and the requirements for this to happen are become incredibly complicated. It isn't a matter of understanding the risk, but just putting on PPE and showing up to do your job. The job has dramatically changed folks. This may not be evident to those outside the field, but there is so much about it that makes it more complicated than most would know. Yet the continuing education of our children is so, so essential that it absolutely requires us to show up in person. Remote learning has its place. Remote learning got us through a difficult six months, although many would say barely to that. But remote learning is a difficult tool for essential workers to use. Why? Because success in this role is all about relationships and individual connections. Teachers weren't being asked this year to continue teaching as before. Their job description remained the same, But the job changed. Look at it this way. Try feeding your toddler on Zoom by telling it how to hold the spoon and get the food in its mouth. you see what I mean? The goal and importance of feeding the child was the same, but what would you expect the outcome to be? In the middle of the school year, these professionals had to learn a whole new way to feed the toddler, with few measures for success. The only saving grace here was the fact that they already had half a year to know the children, to have formed those connections and relationships, to have enough learning under their belts to build upon remotely. But now, my heart ached for my grandchildren with the prospect of starting school without those precious weeks of having a teacher get to know his or her students by being with them. I understand this is all part of the corona heartbreak, but I'm so grateful they're in school for at least part of the week. I still have pangs about what I know they are losing, even so. So because of all that, I was upset when I saw teachers protesting about returning to the classroom. Oh, I understood why. Of course they deserve the same protections. Of course they felt exposed and vulnerable. I didn't blame them, but I also know that you can't be essential and not be there. I wondered if there were some who didn't view themselves as essential. Did they not have that passion I spoke about? to drive them back into the classroom, understanding that the necessary precautions are in place. Well, I don't believe that, really, because I'm pretty sure that 99% of the teachers always want to be in their classrooms. Was this a union talking, or were the teachers experiencing something different than other essential workers experienced when they got on the subways and took to the streets? I'm just asking. And there is still another twist to the questions we need to be asking ourselves. In an article entitled, I'm Not Ready to Die, New Essential Workers Call for Protections, Hazard Pay in the Coronavirus, by Catherine Thorbeck of ABC News, she asserts that a new group of workers outside those first deemed essential workers have emerged. These individuals make lower wages, don't have health benefits, training or access to PPE. These workers are described as, quote, a slew of typically low-wage workers who come to work to support their families and keep the economy going while much of the country is still being told to stay home, unquote. Well, this goes back to how this year has seen a shift in the categorization of essential workers. Traditional essential workers have paid sick leave, union representation, or other protections in place. But many service workers now deemed essential may not be paid a livable wage or have the health benefits they need. Molly Kinder, a David Rubenstein Fellow at the Brookings Institute, told ABC News in this article that, quote, the pandemic has placed a harsh spotlight on how poor these conditions have been for workers at a low wage, and suddenly they are keeping the rest of us alive. She believes that when this pandemic is over, there's going to be a big question of are the companies going to do right by their workers. David Levine, a professor and the chair of economics at the University of California, Berkeley's Haas School of Business, said, quote, that paid sick leave for essential workers at a time like this should not come as an act of goodwill for these companies, but is in everyone's interest. If they're left without paid sick leave, without access to health care, it makes everyone in the country unsafe. So, my friends, what's to be learned from all this? I believe we have a good chance of emerging from this with a greater respect and appreciation for others. I am grateful to anyone and everyone who has risked their own life to save mine. For every food delivery, prescription filled, temperature taken, check taken at my mother's senior facility, I say thank you. For every gas attendant, nurse, physician, teacher, I say thank you. For every service person, for anyone who has done their job to keep the roof over my head and my light shining, I say thank you. Whether you know it or not, you are essential. But now is the time for us to be thinking about how we show our appreciation and respect to others. Not with a parade, my friends, not with an editorial in the newspaper, but by making a vow to be as essential to these individuals as they have been to us. As always, I'd love to hear your stories, opinions, and feedback. Please contact me at dimesonthesidewalk at gmail.com, at robinslane.com, or on Facebook at robinslane-author. Until next time, stay safe and remember, you are essential.